0: It is the Colby Daniels Podcast, episode 10. What's going on, guys? What can I say today out of the gate that I haven't said already this week? Other than I am genuinely happy right now. This has probably been the best week I've had since March. This has probably been the most normal I've felt since March. I'm just excited. I'm excited for a big weekend. It's been a great week already. Wednesday night... My friends and I in our Fantasy Baseball League had a big auction draft that was a blast. It was just great to interact and compete with my buddies from a sports standpoint. And Thursday night, opening night of the Major League Baseball season, and of course, as bad as 2020 has sucked... The opening game is going to get rained out, Yankees-Nats. But we got to watch baseball for a little bit in the nation's capital. And then Dodgers-Giants to close it out. I mean, last night was awesome. It Live baseball, live meaningful baseball on television last night. I sat on the back porch and just kicked my feet up, and it was such a nice night anyway. It wasn't too hot, nice breeze. Like, I just sat outside, feet up, watching baseball, and just genuinely felt at peace. It was It was really cool. After the two games last night, everybody gets rolling this afternoon and this evening. So I'm just, I'm so excited. This is awesome. We also have NBA scrimmages today. The Oklahoma City Thunder has their first scrimmage against the Boston Celtics. I believe you can watch that on NBA TV or if I'm not mistaken, I think OKCThunder.com. So that's pretty cool as well. So Thunder's first scrimmage today, Major League Baseball came back last night with two games and tonight is the first full day of Major League Baseball. And then tomorrow night, massive UFC card as they close out their stay at Fight Island. And they're closing it out with a bang. I think there's something like 15 fights, big names. I'm excited for that as well. So, I mean, this weekend, we've got a ton of baseball. We've got NBA scrimmages. The monster UFC Fight Island card to close out Abu Dhabi. I'm just really excited. I don't know what else to say. I'm, I'm kind of like at a loss for words to a degree because I'm just so geeked about everything coming back and, and what we're going to watch. I've heard some skepticism as, as far as how long this baseball season is going to last, especially after uh, some players tested positive yesterday. The most notable being Juan Soto, who was you know the World Series hero for the Nationals, and uh, he doesn't play last night against the Yankees. But it's, it's back for now, and I'm going to enjoy it as long as, as they're able to play. And yeah, we'll just see what happens. The cool thing about this conversation was I looked at the clock and it felt like we had been talking for 20 minutes and an hour and a half had gone by. So um, I hope you guys enjoy the conversation. Mike Steely joining me on the Colby Daniels podcast.
1: Mike, what's happening today? Well, you know, just trying to live in this crazy world we're living in. It's, uh, I've, I think I've ran out of every single streaming option there is. When I watched John Travolta, John Travolta play John Gotti, in a, uh, in a streaming show. It was a movie. I thought, I'm at the end of my streaming rope. Right here. That's <laughs> it. It's over. I'm done. It's ridiculous. So I'm just trying to keep myself entertained and uh, keep everybody safe over here. We've got my wife's dad, my father-in-law, has stage four cancer. He's really done well with it and his chemo and everything. But you talk about paranoid. Right. Like when he wants to leave, well, I'm going over to the store. If that's all right, Mike. I'm like, I want to be like, the office linebacker who is the office linebacker commercial Terry 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 Tate Tate. I want to like tackle the guy before he leaves It's like (laughs) you're not going anywhere dude no
0: way that's I feel that's probably got to put a tremendous amount of pressure on you and Shay as well just I mean because because this whole thing is potentially about you being careful to protect Mm. other people right
1: absolutely I wish more people would would kind of uh you know take that philosophy to heart too because, and that's the thing for me, you know, Shay had open heart surgery about eight months ago, so her immune system is not the best. She's done pretty well with it. She's recovered pretty well. But, um, you know, so we've got Shay to worry about, number one. Then her dad staying here with us, uh, who's 81 years old, and uh, they just can't afford to get the stuff. And I know the death rate is low, and but uh, I think we also need to think about, um, you know, complications. What if you get long-term lung issues or long-term heart issues and that's the stuff so it's it's about more than the death so I'm so ready to get through this 2020 sucks so bad I mean it's 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 like living in a bad drive-in movie or something
0: or driving still out
1: there the Winchester's still out there anyway
0: it's a complete shit show and and then to top it off the only way we really have to communicate with each other for the most part is social media and that's just become maybe the most toxic place on earth it feels like oh my
1: god you talking about it's like a wrestling event where everybody's coming off the top <laughs> rope somebody's got a chair <laughs> the referee's knocked out, knocked out, there, no rules whatsoever i mean it's so crazy how divided we are it's so disappointing and look everybody is has got their right to an opinion and um but at the same time it just gets so toxic it's it's crazy
0: yeah it 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 blows me away how many people get angry with other people having different opinions and and the the feeling that if you if somebody else has a different opinion you have to like in some sort of malicious way defend your opinion it it's mind blowing to me to the point that I'm I'm barely on social media like I post here and there but I've gotten to the point that my social media use I feel like is down so much that, you know, I, I really just try and it's my news source for the most part. So I, I tried to stay up to date on, especially with sports, breaking news, things like that. But I've limited my social media loose, uh, use tremendously throughout this time.
1: Well, it's so depressing and you look at it and you're like, Oh my gosh, is this ever going to end? What I, what, what cracks me up about the whole thing is how many people, you know, when they state their opinion on some political stance and we politicize the virus, we politicize the protest, we politicize sports, we politicized everything, but people actually think they're gonna change somebody's mind. Like, does anybody change <laughs> right. their mind politically? They're so dug in, they're not gonna change their mind, so why even try?
0: Yeah, my tweet is going to make the difference, Mike. My one tweet defending whatever my <sighs> stance is, is going to That's drastically right. change gonna, everybody's yeah. opinion.
1: I'm going to become a libertarian just because of what you said. Thank you so much. You know, and I saw Abigail Ogles tweeting out the virus numbers from the state. By the way, how bad are the state's computers? I mean, for unemployment and, like, the, the stats – I mean, MySpace was like 20 years in advance of the state's computer system. It's that bad. It's so ridiculous. But, yeah, Abigail Ogle will tweet out, you know, these stats like, okay, we've got 978 coronavirus uh, new tests today or positive tests today and hospitalizations, recovery rate, all of that stuff. And it's just the pure stats. I don't think she's ever really offered an opinion on it that I've seen. Maybe she has, maybe I missed it. But mainly it's just the numbers that she's reporting. And there's always some dude immediately, well, I wish she could quit trying to take her freedoms away (laughs) and quit being liberal out there in these numbers because ain't nobody dying, you know? I mean, it's just amazing to me.
0: Yeah, Yeah, you can only report what's given to you. But, yeah. you know, the problem with that, Mike, is we've reached this point in our society where even when you're reporting the facts as they're given to you, nobody believes that the facts are genuine, right? Like, we've we've somehow arrived in this world where everybody believes every bit of information is a conspiracy theory or has some separate agenda. So even even when you're giving numbers, factual numbers that you were given people believe that people giving you those numbers have an agenda and are maybe, you know, like changing them for the benefit of whatever their cause may be.
1: Yeah, and you know, I'm not saying that there isn't fake news out there because there is some fake news. I think we're all aware of that, but not everything is fake news. And what I've come to realize, I think, in, in watching people interact on social media is fake news to somebody is news that doesn't fit their narrative. It's not their political persuasion. It's not their team. Therefore, it's fake yeah. news. I mean, it would be like if we were sitting in the uh, OU press box and we get the halftime stats from the, you know, OUK State game and we look at it and go, you know what? I don't believe these fake news. <laughs> There's no way they're rushed for that many yards. What kind of agenda do you have here? I mean, it's ridiculous. Yeah.
0: Well, I like a good comparison of that is let's say Baker Mayfield is playing for OU and he throws three touchdown passes in the first half, here's what always happens. You tweet out, great first half for Baker Mayfield. He threw three touchdown passes. And then, inevitably, somebody who roots for the opponent is going to be like, that's fake news. You left out the part where he threw two interceptions, right? Like, it's... There's... <laughs> and yeah. and you, you're you you're forgetting that you're also getting a lot of this through a platform where you have limited amount of space to, to get your point across anyway. So people want to have these massive arguments in this platform that allows you very short responses and you can't ever fully express an entire opinion. So you're giving a brief summary of opinions and inevitably something is going to have to be left out. And that just creates, I think, the perfect situation for people to just hate on each other and, and point out the flaws in everybody's argument.
1: Yeah. And and the example you give, yeah. Like if you tweet out, yeah, great, uh, you know great first half you know for baker mayfield like you said three touchdowns but what about hey he, o- he overthrew mark andrews on that post <laughs> route by the tight end too didn't he you know it's like why why do yeah. people do that
0: look, i can't break down every throw he made in the first half on twitter for crying out loud like it's just it's not possible
1: yeah and it's just uh look there's so many aspects of social media that are great i mean we're we're doing this from our homes right now um technology's awesome, but, I think just everybody is so uh, – I, I think there's a lot of stress out there because of the virus, too. You know, I, I feel so worthless right now, Colby, because, as you know, I love the Tyler media. I love working there. You were you and Sam did a great job, and Kara, I mean, you, you carried the station, I think, for a while. And you guys were awesome. We love working there. I think the Tylers are really good people. But, you know, when I decided I wanted to leave after my second cut, and I understand it's a business – and for about the first month, and man, this is great, man! I feel like I'm retired. <laughs> and then you remember when Bob Stoops said you can't play golf every day; you yeah. gotta do something. That happened about six weeks in, maybe less than that. And every day, um, I'm just waiting to. I'm going to start a streaming show here soon, and I want to get you know everything set up just right. And we're waiting to get that done. But I feel so worthless. I mean, I do. I take the trash out. I pick up the dog stuff. Uh, I do everything I need to do. And then I still have like 90% of my day left, you know? Yeah. So it's crazy. Now you with your, with the little one, you've got a full-time job still kind of.
0: Yeah. It's, it's funny because there are two, two aspects of my situation that are, are kind of polar opposites. On one hand, it's been amazing to be home with him all day long uh you know and and just like experience the day to day growth where you know he's around me constantly and just like it's it's unbelievable how cool it's been and the opportunity uh to spend this time while you know he's 3 going on 4 like these years are so cool cuz he's just like a sponge and absorbing so much so in, in those terms it's been amazing to be home and be with him and watch that growth and like you said it it is also a full time job because he requires a lot of attention As well, Um, but at the same time, you know, there is still, I think, for me, that void where, for for the majority of my adult life, you know, my most of my time has been dedicated to sports in some capacity, watching sports, talking about sports, breaking down, like it, it just that's my my whole world. Like sports is like the sun, and I just you know revolve around it. I just rotate around it, and and without having that, it's kind of like the. The will ferrell gif where he's like i don't know what to do with my hands um from uh from talladega nights like i i just that's how i feel almost every day i'm like what i I don't know what i'm doing It, it i i have goals and i'm trying to accomplish things but at the same time like not having sports to watch physically every day and things to cover it it kind of feels like there's not a specific direction if that makes sense
1: no, absolutely it makes sense. Hey, we we have got opening day in baseball though. We got two games today. I we got the excited, Thunder and the Celtics and a scrimmage from the bubble tomorrow, so we're back. Yeah sort of. Yeah. Kinda. I
0: um I watched some preseason baseball this week, which uh just it, it, i had a big grin on my face the entire time. The uh the the pumped in crowd noise is a little strange, but Yeah, uh, yeah. it's it's not gonna be a make or break for me, but it is kind of odd to not not necessarily from just hearing it, but when your eyes are telling you that nobody's in the building and your ears are telling you the different story, that's the part of it to me that's that's just kind of a little odd.
1: Well, you know, they've they've accused uh, Augusta CBS of per- pumping in bird sound effects <laughs> during the Masters, and people made not not many, but some people thought, "Oh, come on, that's ridiculous." I don't know if that's true or not, yeah. but that's that's about a one on the scale out of ten. Yeah and what what they're doing, and I get why they're doing it. Uh, But it's gonna be interesting to see, man. I mean, the fans are such a huge part of sports. I mean, they're the reason why these guys make the kind of money like Mookie Betts is getting from the Dodgers now, Um, you know, and the fans can change a game. I mean, we've seen momentum, uh, you know, whether it's at a Thunder game or an OU game or an OSU game, it's just gonna be different. That aspect missing is gonna make it really strange. Um, particularly like when the Thunder plays Boston in the scrimmage, you know, tomorrow, that'll be interesting when they open up the regular season, the rest of it with Utah. Uh, Rudy Gobert, is he going to be out there in like Wayne Coyne's bubble ball? Is that how he's going to play? I mean, he's the guy. Are we all collectively just- at home
0: going to boo him every time he touches the ball? And it's not, <laughs> look, somebody was going to be the first guy. And, and if yeah. it wasn't Rudy Gobert, it was going to be somebody else. But he, I don't know that there's ever going to be anything that he can do to shake you know that stigma that's always going to be around him as the guy that
1: shut down sports. Sick move by Rudy Gobert takes on an all new meaning now. <laughs> not that he's, you know, not that he's. Well, I guess he's pretty darn athletic actually yeah. for his size. But yeah, it's it's crazy. And uh, man, uh, you know we're going to remember that night when all of a sudden, you know, they're on, they're going to midcourt for the tip, and everything changes the entire world changed pretty much that night where were you do you remember do you remember exactly i was was sitting on the couch we were we just had some dinner we're getting ready to sit down and watch the game and everything changed yeah and you knew what was going on you knew it was virus related somehow and uh but man i mean every domino started falling it was like that the video of like twenty thousand dominoes that just boom there it goes
0: yeah, it's like the the first 5 minutes of a zombie movie when, you know, the the outbreak begins, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. It was scary stuff and you know it's uh i remember remember tiger king on netflix oh, yeah. doesn't that seem like it? it's like 18 two years, 18 ago, years ago yeah, <laughs> yeah <I know. laughs> so i'm like well at least we've got some stuff to watch hey tiger king this weekend this will be great i mean we've and reached now, the point now where
0: we need to do a where are they now episode of tiger king
1: i <laughs> <laughs> no, it's crazy i can't believe that uh you know we always thought once you got cable i remember when we first got cable in norman the, the west side of Norman got it first. I kept hearing about cable TV, and I'm like, come on, we got to get cable TV, It finally came to the east side of Norman, and I thought, man, we've got like 33 channels. This is unbelievable. There'll always be something to watch. Now we've got 500, and you can't really find anything to watch, and like I said, I'm, I went through the entire Major League roster of streaming shows. I'm down to pretty close to the Instructional League right now. I mean, we're like, oh my gosh, what? Apple TV's got some new this weekend? Yeah. All right. We need that. We're how many, always looking for something new. How many streaming
0: services do you pay for? Because we have Hulu, Prime, yep. Netflix, yep. Disney+, yep. Plus, ESPN+. Plus. Yep, yep. I think that's it, but I could be missing some. I think that's all, though.
1: I think you had the exact same ones that we have. Okay. I'm trying to think if we have anything else. I, I think that's it we we had all of that in addition
0: to cable at one point and it just it became pointless to to continue the cable because we never watched it and with the availability to get sports via other avenues like it just got to the point where we finally just did away with it
1: cut the cord huh
0: yeah yeah last uh i think it was december november december
1: oh wow that's been a while yeah so you're you've been able to survive just fine then yeah
0: yeah, no issues. And, and I'm still, I'm saving still scared money, to Do
1: it. Yeah, I should be because um, sometimes our cable bill is like, oh my gosh, you got to be kidding me. But I don't know why. I'm I'm a little paranoid of. I'm like on the diving board, but I'm on the high board, but I don't want to jump. I'm being a wimp about it.
0: You're you're in that change is bad type thing, right?
1: Well, that's what happens when you get old, particularly <laughs> when you, when you cross fifty. Change? No way! My God, I'm sticking with my space. Yeah.
0: 'Cause it's the way it's always been. That's my favorite <laughs> saying. It's the way it's always been, damn it.
1: So what did you think of the uh, the Redskins have changed their name to Washington football team? Is Washington right? football Officially team, yeah. For for this season. Man, they had some creative. Is that going to be on that the, one? Didn't they?
0: Did they did they say it's, it's that's temporary. going to be the name for
1: the whole year or I think it's yeah, I think it's the temporary name until they change it. Okay. So I don't know if it's gonna be the whole year, but that's uh Man, that sounds like they had some real bright ideas in that brainstorming meeting. What do you guys think? Well, they're too busy about harassing watching, the female employees
0: pain. within that organization to to worry about team names, right?
1: That's crazy. Absolutely crazy.
0: They they put out I don't know if you saw it like a week ago or so, but they put out odds. Uh Bet Online put out odds for the new name. Red Tails was a three to one favorite.
1: And that's the one that would pay tribute to the Tuskegee Airmen, right? Right. Yeah. I like that. I like that. I think that'd be really cool. Red Tails,
0: Generals, Warriors, Presidents, Red Wolves, those were the favorites. So, um, Lobbyists, Washington
1: lobbyists.
0: Yeah. Uh, But, yeah, this is probably the first domino in terms of maybe seeing other sports organizations change their name.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, we've seen it. um, I I think the way it's depicted, whether it's – you know savages i know uh what was it um southeastern uh dennis Rodman when he was there savages right uh when he would i think it's the savages correct uh, so there's there's just certain things that you know that are way outdated probably shouldn't have ever been a nickname for a school or an institution but that's that's the way of the world now so and i, I do i think redskins was offensive yeah probably so i think it's about time
0: Yeah, I know. Like, I'm a Chicago Blackhawks fan, and uh, they put out a statement that basically just said, like, um, you know, our name is in support of, you know, blah, 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 and and we don't plan on changing it because, you know, what we're doing is honoring a a specific group of people, and um, I've not heard a single thing about it since.
1: Yeah. Well, it's it's crazy, and we, you know, there is – people talk about political correctness, but there's also – uh, I think a side that's good that comes out of this. we're we're more sensitive to a group and how they might perceive a nickname or a you know a logo or something like that. And I think that's a good thing
0: there's I don't think there's anything wrong with evaluating whether or not something whether we should consider changing a name or not. I mean, obviously that we don't I don't know that we necessarily just because one person is offended over everything. I don't know that we need to just change for the sake of, uh, you know, a couple people being offended about everything. Because otherwise you just change the world because oh, everybody's yeah. offence- offended over something. But I think, you know, the good thing about all this is is open dialogue. And if somebody is offended, the willingness to just hear why and understand the reasoning and then make an educated decision on whether or not something needs to be changed. For instance, the Texas Rangers. I don't know if you saw that story. There was a group that of the Texas Rangers to change their name.
1: I saw that, and um, you know, I don't know the backstory on that. What 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 they find offensive about? I I just haven't really looked into it, but I did see that. Yeah, I, um, a lot of it had to do with the racism and law enforcement. Sure, yeah, and you know that. You know that's been the biggest state in this country for you know we're still a young country. It's weird. You go over to Europe if you take a trip over there, and you realize. Just how new the United States still is. When you go to the Vatican or the Sistine Chapel, and I think about, man, this place. It's crazy how old it is. And you think we, you know, we're we're still such a new country figuring yeah. things out. Trying to anyway. Yeah. You've got your master's hat on. This
0: was the first year you've missed the masters in in how many?
1: Uh, let's see. I've been to nine of the last eleven. So uh, the last one I missed would have been seven years ago, I think. Wow. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Very lucky. F- very fortunate to go. It's well, you finally went. No, so, you no, can, I haven't. You, I thought you were going. I've, oh, were uh, you, I've, you, were, I've, you were, you were, you were set to go, right? I've
0: been, I've had plans to go to the last two and both have been canceled. Two years ago when Tiger won. Um, a group of friends uh, had a had a big trip planned, and that ended up falling through. Like literally, I think a week or two before we were scheduled to leave, and I didn't have any control over over any of that. That was somebody else that had control over the tickets and the flights and everything, and it literally like fell apart last minute. We didn't go, and then I was scheduled to go this year as well, and obviously it didn't didn't end up happening. So yeah, my like top. Top two or three bucket list item for me that I was supposed to do at least uh once in the last two years, both have fallen Oh through. man, I'm yeah. telling you,
1: yeah. You would love it. Um, and I've I've even told people that aren't hardcore golf fans, and I know you are, but um just the experience of being there and walking around the grounds and it's it's just amazing. I mean, the course uh it looks beautiful on television, and particularly now that it's in HD, it has been for a while. But when you're there, uh, just the undulations and seeing that stuff, and it's just unbelievable. It's a great experience. So it's going to be interesting to see what it looks like in the fall.
0: Do you think that uh, if they go forward with no crowds, that has any impact whatsoever? Because obviously it's minimal anyway for golf, but is is there any impact?
1: Uh, I think there's probably a little bit. I mean, uh, when Nicholas was making that charge in 86 on the back nine, um, he missed a putt on 12 that he uh he was pretty upset about it. and i can still remember the crowd cheering him on like still pumping him up yeah and nicholas said that helped him when he went to uh you know the next uh part of you know the course the back nine because he uh you know he ended up making a great run over those last few holes and he said that the crowd definitely helped him after that missed putt on 12 so does it have a big effect on golf probably not a big effect but i do think there there is some yeah absolutely
0: the The one where the no crowd, I think, has been a better situation, at least for my viewing interest is UFC. and And I've always been a big UFC fan. The fact that we it doesn't really have a whole lot of competition right now has also like magnified that interest for me. Uh, but the the aspect of no crowd noise, I, it's so awesome when there's a giant knockout and the place goes crazy, right? Like that's a really cool scenario. But in in terms of just the course of the fight and the punches that are being thrown and hearing what lands and what doesn't and, and really having just a better understanding and sense of what's actually connecting and what's doing damage to me has made it so much more enjoyable for me as a spectator than when fans are there
1: yeah I, I think that's true also in golf we've seen a lot more of the interaction between the player and the caddy out there uh, or an official you know when DeShambeau was upset recently with with uh what happened uh it's cool to see that interaction we've seen some of that in golf and you see some of it you know obviously in some nba games or nfl games they might mic somebody up we see that a lot of the nba certainly during timeouts but yeah absolutely it would have been cool to see like <clears throat> ollie frazier or Ali foreman without the crowd, because they they talk so much trash, particularly yeah. Ali to everybody, it would have been cool to hear that. I don't know if it would have been, you know, broadcast ready back in the day because you can get <laughs> w- away with a lot more now than you, than you could then, but it would be cool to see. But yeah, and it'll be interesting to see how that affects uh, some of the football telecasts that we eventually get, hopefully.
0: Yeah. Well, there there was discussion that they they were throwing around the idea of potentially airing the NBA games on tape delay because the trash talk between players, I, I don't know if you've ever been down their court side and, and heard it, but oh, that, yeah. yeah, I mean, it's, it's one of those things where they're like, we were going to have a lot of young eyes and ears on us. And if there's nothing to drown out all that trash talk, you can't possibly have a dump button, you know, 80 times in the course of an hour. So, uh, they were throwing around that idea and it obviously is not going to be the case, but, um, they were, they're very much aware of the situation
1: you know what the last time remember the nba was struggling so much and then bird and magic came along because we had the freaking finals on tape delay i'd have to watch the local news and then like <laughs> game four of the nba finals It's like can you imagine that i mean does that sound absolutely crazy now that that we actually uh that's that's the way it was for a while then the nba exploded obviously it's huge bigger than it's ever been i think and uh from bird magic passing the torch to mj and it's been incredible but um yeah that that would have been very strange to see that maybe we can get mike gundy and chuba hubbard uh mic up for a segment talking about the one america news network over on the sidelines. oh god yeah, chuba, chuba
0: deleted his uh,
1: twitter account this week he finally decided yeah. enough with the trolls yeah
0: it's because again it's just such a toxic place there's no room for anybody to have disagreements in a in a you know grown up way. It's, it's just it, it, good for him though. Like it's you know he was he was trying to, I think, point out something that he felt like was an injustice. And and mm-hmm. you, you have to give the kid a lot of credit too because he was willing to be open to hearing the other side as well. Like. Um, None of us are in his shoes. None of us know really what the issues were that he had. And none of us are there to see what sort of changes are being made. So we have to take him at his word as to whether or not he believes changes are actually happened or whether or not he believes that, you know, everything that was said to him is sincere. But like, it's amazing to me that people were mad that he spoke out. And then it's also amazing to me that people were mad that he was willing to accept or, give gundy a chance to to correct things and i'm like that's that's that should be the way that things work right we express how we feel when we feel like something is not right and we're willing to give people opportunities to either change or prove to us that you know maybe something was a mistake or or whatever the scenario might be but um so many just close-minded people and it's at its peak on twitter where there's there's just zero room for anybody to have differing opinions
1: yeah, I I think Chuba Hubbard's obviously is a great running back, uh, but he looks like a really good kid, very bright, very, you know, not afraid to speak his mind and what you saw in the situation was these college athletes came to the realization, particularly the ones uh, of his stature and he's probably the best running back in college football, um, that they've got a lot of power and they uh, they have a lot of say and they've got a very big voice out there and they can impact things. I mean, Mike Gundy, I, you know, probably came as close as he ever has to losing his job because of the people talking about, oh, come on, it's just a t-shirt. No, the the t-shirt was the straw that broke the camel's back. Now that we know that Gundy's supposedly been kind of aloof and detached from his players somewhat, I don't know how much of that's true, but that's what we're hearing. Uh, The whole situation with Gundy fascinates me that – he's such a good coach I like Mike a lot I've known that uh you know Mike for a long time going back to broadcasting his high school games at Midwest City and the Gundy family I think you know they're good people but man this was just it just seems like Gundy is just so was so out of step and out of touch with a lot of his players and you know he. I guess, you know, it's not like he's Bobby Bowden or Joe Paterno when they hung around forever. You know, he's not, <laughs> he's not at that point. Yeah. And I don't know. I think a little bit of the mullets maybe. And the, uh, you know, taking off the shirt at Gallagher Iba and the wrestling singlet. It's almost like he became, um, I don't want to say a caricature because that's probably going a little bit too far, but maybe Gundy started to soak that up a little bit and believe that, you know, he he's, he's, a personality and a football coach. And I, I, that's just something I'm thinking may have happened to him. I don't know, but hopefully things straighten out at Oklahoma state and um, you know, they can be on the same page now.
0: Yeah. It's it, the one thing about Mike Gundy and, and you know, some people would view this as a good thing. Some people would might view it as a bad thing, but He's he's kind of stubborn in in his ways to a degree and if he if he believes that something should be one way, he's not shy to to voice his opinion about it and he really doesn't give a damn and he's he's kind of made that known uh, throughout the last several years in in his media uh, opportunities that he doesn't care what people think about him. He doesn't care what the fans think about him. He doesn't care what media thinks about him. You know, he's going to do things the way he wants to do them. So the fact that you know, within such a short period of time, it kind of seemed like he did a complete 180 when all of that went down. Just goes to show you the the significance of that situation because if it wasn't that significant, I don't know that Mike Gundy does a 180. He probably doubles down and, and just says, you know, what whatever he might say, you know, just kind of defends his stance on the whole thing. But I think he recognized that it was a pretty significant situation to the point that, In such a short period of time, he's in front of a camera talking to Chuba Hubbard and the people and releasing statements (laughs) and like
1: that thing turned around fast. That dude like, hey, Mike, uh, looks like Chuba's upset. He like reeled in the fish as quick as he can, let's get back to Stillwater now. (laughs) And that was the most poorly produced video I think I've ever seen by a major university. Obviously they had to get something out there quickly. I understand that that's part of it, but Oklahoma state usually does a pretty good job, you know, with their videos and Oh, you does an unbelievable job too, obviously. But um, that one was hastily produced and you could tell it was like two people like, yeah, we're, like, here to apologize. <laughs> um, okay, we good? Okay, cut. Yeah, shot from, like, I, like, I don't even know.
0: It, part of me thought it was maybe on, like, a tripod that was just poorly centered. <laughs> they
1: had, like, the jander to their, <laughs> hey, man, I framed this for you. This is my phone. Just hit record, yeah. okay? And, and was, yeah. okay? And there how? was okay. And no rehearsal okay.
0: and just the awkwardness of, like, the bro hug and just, Yeah. It was so bad, but I don't know. It's uh, college football to me is is probably the most interesting conversation right now in terms of just sports. Period that that you can have because the difference between college football and you know major league baseball or any of these professional leagues is you're talking about paid athletes, and it's just a completely different argument in terms of trying to start something like that up when it's it's not somebody that's being compensated for what they're doing.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's so many aspects to this. The Cotton Bowl, OU Texas, OU going to Army, what's going to happen there. Um, it looks like Lincoln Riley's plan worked out pretty well. They've, they've done fairly well with their testing now, obviously, and things are looking pretty good. But, man, um, we've got to have college football. We're eventually going to have it. We're going to have I, it I at agree. some point. I agree. But we have to. I mean, it's there's too much money at stake. There are too many other programs that re- rely on – College football is the infusion of money. It's their life's blood. It keeps the uh, the whole athletic departments heart pumping pretty much. And if you take that away, you get some major problems. So we're going to have college football at some point. It's just I, I still think we're going to have some version of it in the fall, though, don't you?
0: I I think we're going to see something. I don't know what it's going to be, but I have a hard time believing if Oklahoma is testing their players and they're having the numbers like they've had recently, where you know you might have zero positive tests or one positive test for the entire group I have a hard time believing that they're not going to play a football game you know in in two months time if you know Penn State for instance has 20 positive tests like sorry I I just kind of I have this idea that Oklahoma or any university I'm just using OU as an example is going to say well because Penn State's having all these issues we're not going to take the opportunity to make our money so many universities, to your point, are dependent on football financially. That if they have the opportunity to play games, I think they're going to play them. Now, where I think there's a big breakdown is people think that if the NCAA doesn't have a clear structure of a season where everybody's you know playing under the same rules and and everybody's you know competing for some sort of like college football playoff scenario, that it's not going to happen. I don't think that's the case at all. I think there very much could be a situation where conferences play conference schedules and we don't see any bowls. We don't see any sort of, you know, college football playoff type scenario because you can't put an umbrella over everybody's situation and give everybody the same set of rules, right? Like, this virus is different in different places. Everybody's having different situations with, you know, the percentage of their tests. Like, what's happening in Pennsylvania doesn't apply to what's happening in California. What's happening in Florida doesn't apply to what's happening in Oklahoma. So... I don't know that the SEC can make the same sort of, you know, uh, set of rules that the the Pac-12 is going to. And so my mind is the NCAA is just going to throw their hands in the air and say, you guys figure it out within your conferences. And maybe it becomes something where there's some sort of college football postseason, but maybe not. Maybe it's just conference play so that people can make their money financially, and that's the end of it.
1: So, are we going to have like an AP poll again probably, at the end of yeah. the year? Is that how yeah, that, that, that other guy it? That, that's possible. Where OU wins in one poll and USC wins in another poll, or does everybody get a poll, I guess? Maybe? Prob- yeah, probably. But the I mean, ESPN national champion and the uh, Barstool sports national champion. And Barstool sports national champion. Yeah.
0: Can, can you imagine what it looks like? To potentially play a football season, and and just for the sake of argument, let's let's just throw out the idea that everybody shuts down their non conference. Everybody's only playing conference schedules. There are going to be some weeks where you know maybe all the quarterbacks on your roster have COVID and and are sitting out, and so you either bring in like a walk on or you know your star running back is taking snaps that week. And say you lose by a point to another ranked team. Does the college football th- committee then like reward? Like there's no, I don't think there's a way. To, to say these are the four best teams under these circumstances. So that's where I think there could easily be a season without some sort of postseason conclusion to it. But I think we're going to see something.
1: So you're saying they're going to play and it's about the money and that's, yeah. that's the main thing. Yeah. And if they can't determine a national champion, I think they'll find a way, but we'll see. I mean, I think that they'll could try. happen.
0: I do think they'll try to find a way to to get a national champion, but I don't think that's the main goal. And, and you know, that's, that's obviously the goal of sports is to, you know, win and, and somebody be crowned the champion. And that's everybody's goal to begin a season is to win a national championship. But I think in terms of what everyone is dealing with and the financial benefits of playing football, I don't think that's at the top of anybody's list.
1: So what you're saying is the liberals are going to hand out participation <laughs> trophies. I hear what you're saying there. Come on, man. We play to win. You know, what's interesting. You mentioned that's a super realistic possibility yeah, that I think it is. you have some, you have some star players. Let's get the COVID updates uh, for Oklahoma it's, and for Texas. It's, you know, can and if what happens if you run out of quarterbacks? Can you get Patrick Fletcher back on campus? Does he have a year of eligibility? Yeah. Can Dom Whaley leave Subway again and come play? I mean, how does it happen? What happens if your entire offensive line tests
0: positive the week of OU Texas? Like, <laughs> what do you do? Do you do you just forfeit the game? Do you have some defensive linemen play both ways? Like, I think it's if that's the case, it's going to be really funny to watch that Tuesday night college football playoff show and watch these rankings and watch whoever it is kirby hokut or whoever give an explanation as to why like two loss alabama is ahead of undefeated you know colorado and say well i mean alabama didn't play two football games without their entire offensive line because of covid like that's the, and it's going to be hilarious and amazing if that's the case but i yeah I'm, I'm here crazy. to watch it if that's the way they decide to go oh
1: yeah i mean part of it is we're watching a train wreck now let me ask you this question and this is very facetious but at least somewhat okay if if there's any coach or athlete that you would like to see covid get covid be fine no long-term ramifications you know nothing serious but who deserves it the most because i'm going with tom herman <laughs>
0: it's got to be tom herman
1: I mean, he's kissing players and every day, and, you know, <laughs> it's gotta be Tom Herman. Can you imagine it's, if he got it and then spread it to the entire roster because of the kissing? He would have a, he would have a press conference from the hospital. If it was bad, trying to explain exactly how it happened and what COVID's all about and explain all day. I mean, it's Tom Herman, I think would be the one guy that I would think, you know what? I hope you're going to be okay, but you might deserve it.
0: I kind of feel like if Mike Leach got it, he would find a way to capitalize on it. And, and maybe it would become a really entertaining thing for us as spectators to watch.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, see, these coaches, uh, are they going to wear masks on the sidelines? That's going to be very interesting. I. Who knows?
0: I, I. When I was watching baseball the other night, guys were wearing masks in the dugout. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if that's going to be a regular thing, but...
1: A well, couple- we can call a certain play, but I couldn't understand it because of that damn mask. So I ran the wrong play. We got stopped on fourth and one. That's what happened.
0: <laughs> oh, can you imagine? It's uh, I I did see the the helmets that have the I don't know what you call it. It's like some sort of some sort of like clear cover over the face mask.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh wow! Have you seen those? I have not seen those. I'll uh, I'll have to find
0: um the the photos and send it to you but that's another idea that they've been throwing out is is having these you know it's it's basically supposed to serve the same purpose as a mask but it's like a plastic cover over the the lower face mask portion of of the football helmet so that i guess you're not uh breathing and spitting all over everybody
1: I wonder if you get the halftime stats with the COVID numbers too. You know? <laughs> third down conversions, rush yards, pass yards, time of possession, positive tests, recoveries. Yeah, all can of we that. can we test at halftime and Do- Dr. Fauci's in the booth up there as an analyst? Yeah,
0: that's the other thing. What happens if uh what happens if Spencer Rattler plays the first half of a game and OU's up by twenty-eight, but then they discover that he has COVID at halftime and they lose
1: by three? <laughs> I mean, these are crazy scenarios, but man, I never thought we'd see anything like this. So I'm not ruling out anything at this point.
0: I do think the NFL's happening though. Like I, I know there's been a lot of stuff in the news about the players talking about the NFL, not really caring about them and, and, you know, listening to the experts, but I just kind of have the feeling like it's just such a big machine. They're, they're putting the thing in, in forward drive and, and, uh, disabling the brakes and it's just going to truck through no matter what obstacle gets in front of it
1: watch this is such a big year for baker mayfield too i don't know if it's make it or break is. but it's pretty darn big i think I, I think you could say that watch baker be totally healthy be playing great and then like obj jarvis landry nick chubb all these guys go out Oh, well, they get the virus dude sorry
0: yeah they they retooled that offense i mean it's uh there's mm-hmm. there's a ton of pressure on him i was talking to a guy that covers the browns um, around the NFL draft time, uh, talking about you know what their their needs were, and at the end of it, I just I was like well, you know what's the what's the situation for Baker going into this year? Because you also have to understand like he goes in under the the Hugh Jackson regime, and then it was the Freddie Kitchen situation, and everybody universally agrees that that was just a complete shit show. That has to account for some of the issue, but at the same time, like the quarterback is always going to get the praise and and the venom when things don't go well uh i th- they basically said that this is a monumental year for him in cleveland
1: well he was so good as a rookie and that you know that town embraced him they loved him because he's you know clevelanders i think are tough people hard-working people you, you know what the dog pound's all about and yep. he he has that, uh, and look, some of his annex are nah, a little bit questionable, but he's a guy that's always fired up, and they love the guy, but then last year was just such a disaster. And look, the expectations were way out of line for Cleveland, I think. I mean, they probably they, – they had a chance to be a playoff team, but people are talking about, you know, they're going to the Super Bowl. It's That's a big leap to <laughs> yeah. make, you know, when we used to be talking about are the Browns going to win a game, you know, to all of a sudden put them as the favorite in the AFC. But, you know, the NFL season is going to be interesting. Uh, You know, what's going to happen with Tom Brady in Tampa Bay? What's going to happen with Cam Newton now in New England? Can the Cowboys get over the hump? Um, I'm fascinated to see Kyler Murray again. You know, Kyler Murray had a great rookie year. A second year can be tough, but – and especially for Baker Mayfield, man. that's – this year, uh, it's going to be fascinating to see how he deals with all that pressure.
0: Yeah, well, we've seen this in the NFL forever. There are guys that have success and when I mean, the scouting and the defensive players in, in this league are so good that when people kind of figure out what you do well and try and take that away, can you still have success? And this is my question with Lamar Jackson as well. We kind of saw in the postseason how somebody, you know, they changed the looks that they gave him, tried to make him do some different things. Um, it's it's the recipe of keep that offense off the field and, and limit his opportunities and, you know, how versatile are you? I think is 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 the biggest question. I think Kyler Murray's going to be versatile enough that he's going to have success in year two. i My biggest question with him as a rookie wasn't his individual talent. It was just the guys around him. Would he be able to thrive with such a poor supporting cast? and And he was way better than I ever expected. And now they bring over DeAndre hopkins. like i'm I'm really excited for what his upside looks like. But, Um, You know, with Baker Mayfield, Lamar Jackson to a much higher level. Like, does he have another MVP type season? I think he's going to be good no matter what. But is he going to be MVP good now that everybody's kind of had a full season to really see what he does, try and take away what he does well, and force him into some of his weaknesses? That's, That's probably the most fascinating part for a guy like Lamar Jackson on the high end and for a guy like Baker Mayfield going into year three
1: yeah absolutely and you hear a lot you know with baker you heard a lot last year about well he's a one read quarterback and uh, it certainly looked that way uh quite a few times now uh, you know we didn't see that at oklahoma but it's a lot different in the nfl i mean those windows to get the ball in there are a lot smaller than they are even at a power five program you know when you're playing at a high level like he was at ou so uh, i'm just curious to see how he deals with it this year and Um, I'm also curious to see how Cam Newton and Bill Belichick work together. That to me is a, I don't know, that's kind of like Lyle Lovett and Julia Roberts back in the day.
0: I kind of have a feeling that they're going to, they're going to give Jarrett Stidham every every chance, every chance to potentially win that thing. But I think there's also a scenario where, with Cam Newton, it might be a feed him to the Wolves type thing because the the thing with Cam Newton that made him an MVP was his ability to run the football and be the physical presence that he was made up for the fact that he wasn't a great passer. And I'm not saying he was bad, but he just wasn't at the same level right. that a lot of other NFL quarterbacks are. And the last couple years, you know, even before the injury, he, you know, the the physical toll was starting to have an impact on him running the ball and the coaching staff's Uh, decision-making in terms of how much they wanted him to run the football. And the bottom line is when you take that away from him, he's just not good enough as a pure passer to be as effective as a lot of other guys in this league. He has to have that running ability to make up for some of those passing deficiencies. That's kind of gone out the window in Carolina. I feel like new England is going to say, look, this guy's a one or two year guy max anyway. So what does it matter if we run him into the ground? And we may see him have a lot of success early because they're not playing the long game with Cam Newton. They don't care. if He's not their franchise quarterback. They're not paying him a bunch of money. They can basically drive him until the wheels fall off and then hand it to the young guy. So I kind of feel like we may see some, some early success out of Cam Newton uh, without the fear of, you know, hoping that this guy's going to be around for three or four years. And then Stidham's going to have opportunities when, when they see fit.
1: Yeah, you know, shelf life in the NFL, you talk about running backs. the tr- There's not a lot of tread on the tires right. now. You get Adrian Peterson, who's got an incredible set of tires that just keeps going and going and going. It's unbelievable. But uh, for Cam Newton, yeah, I, that wear and tear over the years just uh, slows those guys down. And you can only take so many hits, particularly. And look, Cam Cam Newton's a big guy. He's a physical guy. Uh, But, yeah, I mean, he's been in the league for a long time. He's absorbed a lot of punishment. But I I think your take is on the money, though. I think they may just say, you know what, it's like having a top-of-the-line used Mercedes, The you know, but we can run it for another year. We're going to run it as long and as hard as we can before it totally breaks down.
0: Yeah. I can't wait to see CeeDee Lamb and that Dallas Cowboy offense.
1: That's going to be fun. Absolutely. And the Cowboys, their frontline talent is really good now the question about dallas once you get below like player 10 or 12 maybe in terms of their they're really star really good players what about the rest of the roster is that where the cowboys are failing because i feel like their star level their star power is almost as good if not as good as just about anybody in the league
0: yeah i i feel like even beyond that their their roster from top to bottom i think is as is um as as Constructed as well as maybe anybody in the NFL. I, I truly believe that they have finally got to the point that they have depth in a lot of positions. I think they have versatility in a lot of positions. My, my biggest issue this year actually becomes the offensive line again, because you lose a guy like Travis Frederick, who was the anchor in the middle of that line. How much of an impact does that have? But also, you know, four years ago, this was the best offensive line in the NFL, And I think as football fans, you hear them given, you know, that crown. And so you just kind of assume that that's just the case. Like, they're just great. They're the best offensive line in the NFL. And you go on. But we've noticed over the last couple of years, there there has been some issues. Tyron Smith isn't nearly the same guy that he was several years ago. He's dealt with a lot of, and some of it is injury related. But that group is not nearly as good as it used to be. And we're starting to see the deterioration of a few players on that offensive line, Tyron Smith included. So that to me is once again, starting to become a question, but they are very well put together. And I've always felt like the coaching staff was so conservative under Jason Garrett that it was never going to reach its full potential. They were never going to allow that thing to hit its top gear. It was always just kind of paced to not lose. And so I'm excited to see what happens with Mike McCarthy. I think Dak Prescott has to be insanely motivated uh, going into this season, not taking the long-term deal, gambling on himself with the franchise tag, and understanding what a positive season has in terms of his financial future next offseason. I think they are set set up to have a big run. If they don't, it's a massive failure this year.
1: Yeah, I agree with that. And I think uh, I'm curious to see how Mike McCarthy and Jerry Jones get along. Um, I, I like the hire. I think McCarthy, you know, maybe uh, the marriage kind of ended between he and Aaron Rodgers and Green Bay, and it wasn't a real nasty breakup, but there were some problems there, obviously. And let's see what happens with McCarthy and Dallas. I, I, I like that hire a lot. So yeah. the Cowboys certainly, they've got the potential to go a long way, but how many times do we look at this team and think <laughs> – you know, yeah. come on, this is this is better than a nine-win team or a 10-win team. This, sure. this could be a team that should win, maybe win 12 games, but it just hasn't worked out that way. And I, I agree with Jason Garrett, nice guy, super good guy. Uh, You know, saved that game on Thanksgiving Day way back in the day. The Red <laughs> the Ball the Express came Miami. in. Yeah. yeah. And then you, you uh, think about he's been so loyal. He was so loyal to that organization, but it was time. I mean it was just time. It was it was over time.
0: he, he oh, was yeah, there too yeah. long. Um to your point, like they've been over the last couple of years, they've been as as talented as they've been since the 90s teams. And you're still getting the same results as those years even when they were average, right? It's not it's not considerably better. And you if the talent is drastically better over the last decade, but the results are pretty close to the same, where do you point? Like to me that's the coaching staff. If you've acquired better talent, if you have more depth and you have more versatility than you've had in the last ten years, but you're still getting the same results, like I, it's got to be leadership, and you're obviously not getting rid of the owner and the GM, so I, you got to go the coach route. So that's why I'm excited to see what happens under the McCarthy regime if the Jones, you know, the Joneses allow him to do his thing. But yeah, this thing, Ceedee Lamb and Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup and Zeke and a motivated Dak Prescott trying to get the the big time payday they they could be as fun as any team in the nfl could be
1: yeah that offense is uh it's got everything it needs pretty much now you're right i think the offensive line um is living off its old reputation somewhat i don't think there's any doubt about that but they've got a lot of weapons every coach in the nfl would love to add those guys i mean zeke whatever you think about him with the holdout and some of the things he's done great player i think Dak is a I don't know. I'd put Dak at about an eight on a scale of one to 10 as an NFL quarterback, but I think he's going to get better. And I think the contract year basically, and him betting on himself, as you said, it's going to be fascinating to see how that plays out because some people really thrive in that situation and he's got every reason to succeed with all those weapons on offense and CD lamb, I think was a great draft choice.
0: Yeah. He, I think he's, I think he's top ten. I think he's right. If you're going to make a list of the best ten quarterbacks in the NFL today, and who you would want playing for you going into this season, I think he's in the eight, nine, ten range. Um, he's not elite. Certainly, he's not on the same level as you know the Patrick Mahomes and and Russell Wilsons of the world. But like when you really start writing down the names, because I think it's probably easy to just say he's not top ten. But when no, you really start, yeah, yeah, when you really start writing down the names and you look at, at who has done what, you look at you look at stats because the stats t- say that he's top 10, you look at team success. Team success says that he's top 10. I think there's been one quarterback that's won more games than Dak Prescott since he got into the league.
1: That's insane. Like it's, they were a little conservative, too, as you said. And I might yeah, like see the, him open the, it up a little bit more.
0: Yeah, he, he kind of the same thing with Cam Newton. I, you have to be more careful with Dak because he's a young guy and he is your franchise quarterback for a long time. So you don't run, run, you know, run him into the ground and drive him until the wheels fall off. But a lot like Cam Newton, one of the things that does make him special is the fact that he is mobile and the fact that he's a fullback and and his his mobility and potential to run the football can also open up other things. And it, the failure to evaluate that and ever use it, especially in critical situations, was mind blowing to me.
1: Yeah, absolutely. If you got a mobile quarterback, you gotta use him. I mean, you're just gonna have to use him some, even in the at NFL. Least some, yeah. you have to. I mean, you have to take advantage of the bill. Everybody wants a mobile quarterback who can throw it. Look, there are only a few Pat Mahomes' is out there. There are only a few Kyler Murray's who as good as he was at the college level. That's, you know, basically as much of a running threat as he is throwing the football, maybe even more so. If you think about, you know, his speed. But you've got to utilize that ability. And I do think the Cowboys were a little bit too conservative over the years. It looked like last year with Kellen Moore, at least early, that they were maybe going to be a little more creative. But I still think they can do more. They've got so many weapons. Use all of those weapons. Take advantage of them.
0: Speaking of creativity, if we do have college football this season, how excited are you to watch Lincoln Riley's offense?
1: Oh, man. Look, the guy's going to put up points. He's a machine. He's a, he's a savant, he's a genius on the offensive end. He's definitely a, I think he's the best offensive coach in college football Uh, and I think he's only going to get better. I think he's, I think he's handled every aspect of the OU job tremendous, uh, at a tremendously high level. I mean, and that includes, I mean, Mike Gundy could take some pointers from Lincoln Riley on how to deal with some of this player stuff, how to deal with some of the social issues and look, it's probably a difference, probably the difference in age. Um, Gundy, again, I think is a little set in his ways. I think Lincoln Riley's more dynamic in that respect. And, look, I love Mike, and I like his press conferences, too. We've always said that Mike Leach is probably the best weekly press conference, but Mike, Mike Gundy's right up there. Now, I did always find it strange, you know, in the scouting report every week, well, number 41's a heck of a player. <laughs> or, and, by the way, number two can really run the ball. It's like, dude, really? Never? Okay, come on, man. And I guess he did that with some of his own players. So, but no Lincoln, look, if Alex Grinch's defense keeps getting better, throw out the LSU game, LSU smoked OU. We know why the safety situation, the suspensions and LSU is a historically great offense. LSU
0: also did the same thing to Clemson, you know, so yeah, yeah. OU wasn't, OU wasn't good in that game, but Clemson or LSU had a lot to do with it as well.
1: Yeah, it was it was a bad situation going in, but and I do think their defense got better a year ago, I and mean, the numbers were certainly better. It's not where they need to be to win a national championship, but I do think they're moving in that direction. I think that uh, Alex Grinch was a good hire, and I can I think they'll continue to get better. Bring in the kind of players, you know, you got to bring in Latrell McCutcheon, a guy like that. You got to you know when they got Ronnie Perkins, some of the highly recruited kids that they've had recently. Got to bring in more of those guys, not just on the offensive side of the ball, and it looks like. You know, they're they're upgrading recruiting on that side of the ball as well, and that's huge.
0: Yeah, offensive line, a year older, a year better. You would assume, um, just through the natural progression of things. Um, maybe you know from the quarterback position. I'm interested in in how that's going to work because uh, you know how young guys are. Um, but I think there's also a level of whether it's Mordecai or Rattler, and I'm I I, I do believe it's going to be Spencer Rattler. But I don't think it's a, a necessarily done deal. But either one of those guys, I think, does give you more in the passing game than they had a year ago. And when you look at, at all of those weapons, it, it like, where do you go? That, that's, that was kind of the fun part and the frustrating part of watching OU a year ago was you you look at the offense and you look at all the names, and it, like I would say this in almost every postgame show. You go through the, the box score and you look at carries from the running backs and receptions by the receivers, and there are dudes that I'm like, he needs the ball more. 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 You have one football. You only have so many plays. But I also felt like what made more sense for that offense a year ago was Jalen Hurts being, you know, the most productive aspect of that offense. And and sometimes I think it was also maybe his inability to completely take advantage of every weapon on the field. He he he's not the kind of quarterback that can put the ball in in every spot that you need him to. So that's going to limit how you can use all those weapons. I think with the passing game, the two guys that could potentially play quarterback this year give you more opportunities to go back to, you know, the the creativity and the ability to take advantage of every weapon you have on the football field, maximize the space that you have on the football field. I can't wait. I, if, if we have football, I can't wait to see what Lincoln Riley does with that group.
1: Uh, Rattler's going to be a star, yeah. I think. It's just a question of when is he going right. to be a star. I, I think he'll be really good early on. Um, the kid can throw the football. You saw him in mop-up, mop-up duty. He's got a great arm. There was a reason he was the number one high school quarterback prospect in the country. Pair that with Lincoln Riley, you've got a great situation. So, um, But, again, it's he's the guy. Uh, next year, and I think Mordecai is a good player. I think Rattler is going to win the job. You know, no matter what you're going to hear, Rattler is going to be the guy, and we'll see. Uh, you know how he performs in pressure situations. It's almost like people just expect right now if Colby Daniels is the quarterback for Lincoln Riley. You know, this coming season. Oh well, you can mark Colby <laughs> Daniels and be in New York City, man. Send me to New He'll York a, City. He'll have a chance to win the Heisman. He'll be there, and that's probably true because. OU's going to get a good quarterback. It I may can not throw be the best ball a little bit, Mike. Yeah, I, don't, I mean, just to... Yeah, happen. well, I, hey, we could be, you could be the quarterback and I could be the running back at Lake and Riley's offense. So we'd at least put up 30 points again. We're at
0: least going to win all conference honors.
1: That, yes, very likely. Now, who knows what happens in the ball game, but, you know, that's on yeah. the defense, though. So. Yeah. so I don't know. It's going to be, I think Rattler's going to be a great player, but, um, you know, we'll we'll see what happens. in a pressure situation, how he performs. You never know about that until you're out there and uh we get to see it. Uh the Jalen Hurst year was a weird year, though, Very wasn't weird, it? Yeah. From from the press conferences to you almost get the feeling like he was Russell Westbrook at quarterback. Like, I know you're open, but man, I'm running this. You know? Uh I'm not saying he was stat padding and look that, hey, the Baylor comeback was phenomenal. Uh, it was certainly a, a cool thing to see him play. I think at Oklahoma, just you, you just don't see an elite guy play at Alabama and Oklahoma like he did. But it was just very strange. Not yeah. as strange as 2020, but it was still strange. They still want to co- the, the crazy thing to
0: me is they still won a conference championship. They still got to a college football playoff. They, they did the same thing that they did under Baker and Kyler, right? Like, win your, win your conference title, go play in a semifinal game, not win. But it just kind of felt like every single week there wasn't nearly as much confidence in Jalen Hurts to just get you there as with Kyler and Baker every week. You just kind of felt like, well, no matter what happens, that guy's going to lead you to victory.
1: And with Hurts... I think it was the turnovers, man. Yeah. He kept turning it over every time. With Hurts, you it's
0: knew kind of- that the, the ability to do that was there, but, you know, that, that other side was there as well. And so you just kind of never knew, like, is he going to fumble here or is he going to, you know, lead them on a 10-play... 80 yard drive to win it like it just that was kind of the the thing that was at play and it it, you know it it made it more intriguing I think on a week-to-week basis to just watch and and have that that level of uncertainness with what the result was going to be
1: you know it was crazy because every week you thought surely Hertz can't fumble the ball three more times in this next game right and then like second or third possession there's a fumble I was like oh he did it again my <laughs> wife she's a Sooner fan uh born and raised in Norman so you know but she's not real um you know uh, she doesn't scream at the tv hardly at all I, I don't think I ever heard her till this year with Jalen Hurts oh my gosh she did it again you're kidding me it was it was every week but and that's when you know people thought that they lost that baylor game right because they're making that miraculous run this rally and they get down inside the five yard line and he fumbles again and you're thinking okay that's it but they they're able to come back and win the game it was a it was a cool year though to see him i think play at oklahoma and um just man it was it was strange but i i just hope we have college football yeah and we're going to get it at some point but it's sure gonna be strange. If I'm an OU fan and I was going to the Army game, I'd be I'd be sweating bullets right now and thinking, oh my gosh, are you kidding me? I
0: mean, unless what they move real? the army game, it's not gonna happen, right? Like because there's no possible way. Cause you have to, if you're going to New York, Oklahoma's yeah, on the ban list.
1: You have to quarantine. Right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's right. Well, we're leaving for the Army game. And uh, by the way, bring <laughs> two weeks worth of clothing, toiletries, <laughs> okay? Yes, and your and your studies. We've got two and a half weeks in New York before we can play. Yeah, it's just crazy. Yeah,
0: I don't. I don't see it. Did you at all miss having to talk about like the All Big Twelve preseason team this week?
1: Oh my god! you want
0: to? I mean, I, I'm going to give you, you know the what, opportunity
1: there, to there, talk about that if you if o- you miss being able to. There's only one thing worse, and that's the awards <laughs> watch list. And I always said when I was in TV, yeah. no matter if nothing's going on. I'm not gonna do the awards watch list because yeah. I always thought, guess what? Chuba Hubbard has made the awards watch list for, you know, it's like, yeah, he's the best running back in the country. I I don't know, I mean, it's it's something that, you, we used to think that this part of the sports calendar was difficult because you've got to have more guests and you've got to have a lot of BS and you may talk about some stuff other than sports because it was the summer yeah. and we're just waiting for college football and the NFL to get started right now is the worst situation ever in history for (laughs) sports radio people now like todd and eddie are doing the show on the franchise and you know i decided that i didn't want to wake up at 2 a.m you know after another pay cut because i i've been thinking about you know what i'd like to have a normal life like before i retire for a while so this kind of pushed me into that so i'm sure those guys are just thinking steely oh my gosh that dude yeah but they're doing a good job everybody that i've heard is doing a good job but it will never ever get more difficult than this ever in the history of radio to be doing a sports show what do we have again today nothing okay how many hours do we fill four okay (laughs) let's go has
0: your sleep schedule returned to any sort of normalcy or or has have you Is the biological clock just so entrenched in that schedule that you're still waking up at the same time? And
1: You know what's weird is there are some days when I can sleep into like 5 a.m., which is late for me because usually it was about 2 or 2.15 every morning. Um, But there are still a few days here and there where it's like, damn, it's 2.30. I go back to bed. Can't do it. You know, and then you're up again. But for the most part, I'm probably sleeping into 4:30 or 5. So, I'm trying to join the normal world. I'm making progress. I'm not there yet, but I'm making progress. Are you napping every day? I don't nap. I haven't been napping. I think I've napped maybe. I don't know. What have I been? Let's see. It's been 90 days or so almost. Yeah. I probably napped 10 times. Okay, that's not bad. Try to get away from. I'm trying to get away from the nap. Yeah. So. Yeah.
0: It's well when you're when you do something for so long. Like even even still for me, when when I get to like around two o'clock in the afternoon, when I would normally, I mean that's just kind of like the time of day that I just had to kind of get my energy level up and and you know get ready to to go to you know wherever the remote might be or whatever. Like there's still that that just weird feeling about like oh I'm not doing that right now. Like it just because you did you do that for so long, when that time of day hits, there's a natural like for me at least my inner it like just naturally my body starts to like recognizes that that's the time of day that I always have to bring more energy. And so I kind of get like this buildup every afternoon around that time. And then there's no really outlet for it. Right. So it's, it's kind of a, it's kind of a strange aspect.
1: That's what Red Bull's for, right. Or caffeine i guess but yeah i and you know at first i was like man i need a nap you know the first and then i thought you know what i can't keep taking these so i decided i'm not going to do it because i'll never get back on a normal routine because and i always told everybody about the morning show once i got on the air i loved it i loved the people i worked with i loved the company whether it was the animal or tyler uh tyler was great i loved it um you know, I love, uh, all the people that I worked with were really cool. It was just a good atmosphere, but the schedule sucked and there's just no way to be a normal human being. You yeah. know, Shay and I, we had to sleep in separate bedrooms, you know, weekdays because if I get up at 2 AM, guess who else is getting up? Every dog, we have three and the dogs don't go back to sleep. So you know, it just wasn't normal. So that part yeah. of it yeah. was, was really bizarre.
0: Yeah. Um I remember having to uh not having to, but I remember filling in at the other station at the animal, uh, for lump a few times, like when he would go on vacation for like a week. Uh yeah. and, and be You're just
1: like please don't go on vacation. Yeah, no. don't go on vacation and, and you know, at
0: first <laughs> it's like really exciting, but then you know, for that week basically like my entire life was was just completely different. And you you really learn to understand and appreciate the sacrifices that are made to do that show because it, it does, I mean, it, it impacts so many other elements of your life and, and how you spend your time.
1: Yeah. And everybody has said that, like when they fill in for a week, it's like, man, Monday and Tuesday were great. We had yeah. good shows. I enjoyed it, man. It was great. Then by like Thursday, I'm like, please, I never want to do this again. I hate this, but yeah, it's, it's just a different routine. And I did it for what, 22 yeah. years, I think which is crazy. I think I aged in dog years during that process. So I'm probably like 91 right now, but I'm getting a little bit of my life back in that respect, which is kind of cool. Yeah. My
0: favorite, my favorite story of working with you guys there was I, I had worked a Sunday show or, or a a Sunday shift as a producer at the animal. And it was, it was supposed to be, I think 6 AM to midnight. So it was like an 18 hour shift and Ugh. yeah, because, well, you know, as part time, so right. I was trying to get as many hours as I could during the weekends. So there would be a lot of weekends that I would get like, you know, close to 30 hours just on Saturday and Sunday. So Randy would schedule me from like 6 a.m. to midnight to, you know, run all the live sports that they had going all day long. And I was totally in on it because I needed the money and the hours. So one specific Sunday, I'm there from 6 a.m. to midnight and I'm, I'm running a major league baseball game that night. And it goes into something stupid like 17 or 18 innings. <laughs> oh, and then, no. you know, you're obligated to run the postgame show and you can't, you know, you can't swip, switch it back to programming to, until all that's over. So the thing doesn't end until like, I don't know, 2.30, 3 o'clock in the morning. And I'm supposed to be back to fill in for Lump for you guys to start your show at like 5.30. So I'm, I, I thought I should probably just stay here. And not leave, or maybe just go get something to eat and a drink, and come back. And and then you know that voice inside my head just was like, "Go home, take a shower, just kind of sit down mm-hmm. for a minute and come back." So I go home, I shower, get something to eat, and I just turn on ESPN. And I'm sitting in a, in my chair watching Sports Center, like waiting to go back. And I fall asleep. And next thing I know, I look at my phone, and it's like 18 missed calls from Mike Steely. <laughs> And I'm like, oh, fuck, I'm going to get fired. And so I jump up and I run to my car and I'm driving as fast as I can. And I call you and you guys were, were in a break at that point. And you're like, where the hell are you? And I'm I'm just like, I'm on my way. And I was just I knew for sure that I was going to get canned that day. And and so I get there and, and we finish the show. And then uh, the program director calls me into the office after the show ended. And I thought, you know, here it is. He's about to can me for showing up like, you know, an hour late Is that
1: Ray or Dax. It was
0: Dax at the time. Yeah. And uh, well, luckily, that's crazy. Randy had 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 my back and had told him that I had worked 18 hours and then the game went into extra innings and I ended up being there till two thirty. And so he ended up letting me by with it and and kind of understood the situation and, and showed mercy. But I I thought for sure I was going to get canned.
1: I've seen some producers get fired. I remember we ran Red Hawks baseball, and I think I may have told you the story. Um, You may have been around at that time. I can't remember, but Jim Byers doing Red Hawks baseball, you know, on on the animal. And this was when Ray Calusa, rest in peace, uh, was our program director back in the day, and I remember he hired somebody new to run the board of the weekend. It was like his first weekend. And I had, this is how old, I had a stack of carts in there. There were some sound effects and bits that I did. And there were probably 400 carts stacked up in there. And this kid who started running the board for Red Hawks baseball decided, I I remember because I was driving around, I don't know, I was listening, to the to the animal at the time this was probably gosh 20 years ago maybe longer than that i don't know anyway so jim byers would be like there's ball one outside to jones and you'd hear you'd hear respect my authority you know it's an eric cartman sound effect and then there was and that's ball three outside we're here you know and, and on a gorgeous sunday and then you hear you go gonna hell do you die mr garrison from south park after like every pitch or every hit ball every call that jim Byer has is accentuated with a sound effect and i'm thinking do they have like these loaded up in the carts and they're just automatically firing or what so i called you know i was i was the uh, narc in the deal i said i called our pd i said ray i'm listening to red hawks baseball and it's like all my sound effects are playing like every other pitch He goes, you're kidding me i'm gonna listen in he goes and I can hear him listening, and I hear, like, there's an F-bomb in the background because yeah. he can hear the sound effects. And then so he calls, he goes up to the station. This kid ends up getting fired. But he asks him, what's going on? And I, I, I never even met the kid because that was his first weekend. He said, I was trying to make the broadcast more entertaining. <laughs> So, so from the studio, he's just adding his own drops. Yeah, he's just throwing his own sound bites in, <laughs> like every other pitch. Every I think Mike Steele's whole collection was played over like 45 minutes, and so Calusa, that was pretty egregious. So we let him go. But um, I, adm- I I, I admire the uh, the balls too. Oh yeah, just run just, you your know own shit. This yeah. baseball stuff, man. I'm putting in some South Park. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I, I do have to tell you when i started there i was warned that if i ever used a soundbite from one of your folders that i was going to to get yelled at really yeah like i was gonna yell at you i don't know that it was you but i was just told like don't
1: ever don't ever, yell don't ever take much.
0: any sound bites from any of the morning show's folders because they will lose their minds i think it was just like a collective type thing but yeah so I, blame that on I never did i never did i
1: I'll blend that on LOP. Well, you know, that's, we had so many, oh golly, it's, and it was kind of the same way at Tyler where, you know, when the, the computer system finally starts to fail, I always think, oh gosh, it's my folder because yeah. mine looks like everybody else's looks like a little bitty Thailand, uh, island out in the ocean. And mine looks like a gigantic <laughs> continent covering the entire globe. There's so many sound effects in there. So, yeah, it's it's crazy. So, man, I like your MJ poster, old school back there.
0: Yeah, that uh, the space poster that was I had that as a kid, and then like probably three three or four years ago, I was just I, I don't know, I was probably in one of those like eBay rabbit holes where I'm just looking at all kinds of stuff, and and uh, three or four hours later, I stumbled upon a bunch of those uh, those like 80s and 90s Costico Brothers posters. Mm -hmm. and I found the Jordan poster and I was like I loved that poster as a kid very nostalgic to me so I I picked it up for like 15 bucks and uh, it just kind of seemed like a bargain at the time and you can't get it for 15 bucks anymore
1: uh, oh, the dogs are barking. The dogs are barking. <laughs> Let me tell you my quick Michael Jordan story real quick. I don't know if uh, I ever told you this because we did some weekend stuff together way back when. But 82, I believe it was, when Tulsa hosted the Oil Capital Classic. And uh, North Carolina came. This was the year after they went. Well, it was Jordan's sophomore year because they won in 81 on the shot in New Orleans against Georgetown so carolina comes to play tulsa in the oil capital classic tulsa was really good with nolan there and you know they had won the nit and they were making some waves so tulsa beats carolina in the oil capital classic in the first round i was working at KNOR radio which is now the ref out on alameda and norman still in school at ou and the sports director tim greg said hey mike i, I can get you passes Let's go see tulsa north carolina you can get post game for me heck yeah yeah so i go up Head up the turnpike to go cover the game, and so I got my tape recorder and everything. I get to watch the game at Presser, OCMJ, Sam Perkins, all those guys going at it. And then afterwards, I go into the—I should have gone to the Tulsa locker room, but guess what? I decided, you know what? I'll go ask Carolina how they feel about stuff. <laughs> so, as you should fact, have, yeah. My sports director goes, "Yeah, did you get any Tulsa audio?" I said, "No." I really wanted to go talk to Dean Smith and those guys, you know. So no which was, but anyway, so I, first of all, I walk in the hallway, headed to the visitors locker room, and I see Dean Smith out there doing his post game show. He's smoking a cigarette, I had no idea. So that was the first thing. Dean Smith was smoking a cig in his post game. I was very surprised. So then I go in the Carolina locker room, and as I walk in, it's like you go in the door, and then you turn right, and then back left to get to actually where all the lockers are so there's a little partition walkway but in that walkway is a gigantic hamper for the uniforms where obviously they're taking them off and throwing them in there literally all over the corner laying over it jordan 23. that was the one all the others were stuffed down in this giant hamper but hanging over the side jordan 23. and it was like that scene in um, Animal House, you know, angel on one shoulder, oh, yeah. devil on the oh, yeah. other. There was a the thought of, take it. you know, I'm just starting my broadcast career, but that Jordan jersey looks like it's right there for me to take. Didn't do it. Yeah. Did not do it. You would make a bunch of money, but
0: you probably wouldn't be sitting here today. That's true. But if, if there you was had,
1: yeah. I probably thought about it for 10 seconds, and then <sighs> the good angel went out. Yeah. So, but, and then Jordan wasn't even he was nowhere to be found. I talked to Sam Perkins and Brad Doherty. Um, and that was it. Yeah, I don't know where m j was, but he he never made an appearance in the locker room, so speaking of something that was,
0: like that, were you ever like a memorabilia collector or autograph collector or anything like that?
1: I was never an autograph collector, some memorabilia, yeah, I, I was a, you know, I had all the baseball, football, and basketball cards as a kid growing up, but I got rid of them all. And my brother's got this fantastic card collection. He's got a bunch of really collectible cards, baseball cards, especially. But I'm the idiot who used to draw on mine, draw on my, so you know. And I'm I gave away my retirement, basically, when I was 12 years old. Yeah. Pretty much.
0: Yeah. I was, um, so I had, I had Steve Grad on the podcast the other day, and he's the uh, autograph authenticator for, like, Pawn Stars, and he works for Beckett, and so we were, he was, you know, telling me stories about autographs and, and it kind of just got me thinking like there, there were, when you're in the media, that's one of those things where it's, it's extremely frowned upon. And, and obviously no media members are getting autographs, but you know, when he was telling me about the the values of some of these things, and especially right now, like all that stuff's just shot through the roof, um, because you know, people are at home and, and they're focusing on their hobbies and just things to take their minds off of, you know, the current climate. But it just got me thinking like no, no medium people do that, but you know, those ones that do, they end up cashing in really big once, but then they're, you know, they're pretty much gone for forever. That's not one of those things you can really bounce back from.
1: Can I give you a, go on the confessional real quick before we wrap it up here? Because I did a horrible thing. Oh, with cards back in the day when I was working, I think I've told this story on the radio when I was working in Wichita falls, um, We would go cover the Cowboys training camp, and uh, we went to Thousand Oaks, California. I'll never forget the day that Troy Aikman was the uh, the rookie QB, and Steve Walsh shows up. They put him in the supplemental draft, and all of a sudden, Steve Walsh comes running out, you know, and by himself. One day he just shows up, and I can still remember Troy Aikman not looking very happy about that. But we would go, you know, they they had it in uh, Austin. Um, I'm trying to think if that was the uh, it was yeah it was Austin when we went to. Uh cover the Cowboys, uh, back when I think Switzer was there at that time, if I'm not mistaken, may have been Jimmy anyway, beside the point, but our news director said, I'll send you guys, my photographer, Chris cook, married to Jennifer Reynolds from channel nine. Um, real good guy. And they said, the news director said, you guys can go, but I've got some cards. I want you to have signed. <laughs> and if you're going, you got to get these cards signed for me. So we're like, okay, that's, that's a deal. Yeah. So we get there, we're finally like we've got like these eight cards, and it's like the last day, and we're sitting thinking, we're in the media. We can't ask the we're not gonna do this. We can't do it. Yeah. We can't do it. So we went and bought the old Sharpie. Does that look like Troy's signature? You know, Emmett, it was it was so bad oh that's amazing so see what's gonna happen if i get to the gates of saint andrews which vegas has is very very questionable at this point maybe it's a pickup yeah. they're gonna go did you really autograph some football cards for your news director and told him that these were the real autographs you know that's that guy, that guy has out. those
0: things like sitting on a shelf somewhere like as he's his, probably has, as his like out. prized possession
1: but we got to we were finally like it was the last day and we're thinking we still got these football cards dude we've got these cards what are we gonna do yeah and it was finally all right let's go get a sharpie i like that we'll you went
0: fraud up. over just like making up a story of not being able to get it like you went fraud I, I, over lying. I know we
1: should have gone yeah that, that all we had to say was like rich doll or whoever the pr yeah. guy was at the time said you know what you can't do that. And we knew we couldn't do it on the way. I mean, we knew that we could go, hey, Emmett, can I talk to you? And by the way, here's a car design. Yeah, or just you be know, like the guy was an asshole and wouldn't
0: sign. I mean, that's, you know, that works.
1: Young and stupid. Young and stupid. And it was, we were both looking at each other like, this is horrible. You know, this is horrible, right? Yeah, give me that one, Charles. Okay, here we go. <laughs> so bad. So bad. All right, give me, give me the athlete or celebrity
0: that you've met that, uh, like didn't live up to expectations, or maybe was a a massive jerk, or something along those lines, because that was something else I was discussing the other day.
1: Um, well, I will say this on the phone. I was filling in for uh, for Al one night when he went on his you know one of his four week vacations way back at the original WWLS a long time ago, and believe it or not, it's. The first guest I had on, Howard Schnellenberger. Oh, he was the coach of yes. Louisville. He'd left Miami and gone to Louisville. And I asked him, um, do you feel like it's gonna be different for you working uh at a at what's considered a basketball school? Oh no, can let me interrupt you out there, young man, there's gonna be a football school first, you know, it's like I'm it, basically into the interview like two minutes after that because I asked him that question but I'm trying to think of in person um, you know I, inter- I interviewed Kareem Abdul-Jabbar when he was coaching the storm and he was yeah you know, I'd always heard he was really standoffish but he was really cool now I played it right because I knew his dad was a big jazz musician and, and uh, loved that kind of music, and I knew he was a big jazz fan Got that icebreaker out of collector. the way, yeah. So I bought him a Thelonious Monk CD. That's awesome. And gave it to him because I knew his dad played with him at times. So, and it was a new one that had been released, so he that kind of broke the ice, and he was really cool about that. This was after 9-11 when we talked about you know, what he thought about what was going on in the world as a Muslim, too, and he was great. But I don't know that I can think of uh, – I can't really think of a, Ted Simmons, that's the one I have. Okay. He um, – there was a, a exhibition game at 89ers Stadium, and Ted Simmons was the old catcher. It must have been the Cardinals, right, uh, at the time. And yeah. I remember I was sent up there to talk to uh, – some of the players that were taking part in the exhibition games. It was a big deal because big league teams would come the affiliate and the Phillies played. I remember again, seeing those guys smoking cigarettes in the dugout, which surprised me. I had no idea. I was clueless, but Ted Simmons talked to him. He was kind of, "Eh," you know, four or five word answers. And then I had said at one point, okay, last question. And then he made some kind of comment that led me into asking another question. So I said, okay. So after that, he answered it. I asked another question. He goes, no, You said last question. No, 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 I'm leaving. Last question. You said last question. I was like, all right, dude, sorry. That was, that's really, I think the only, the only one that I can think of that was really just really a crazy kind of a moment where somebody was a jerk unless I'm just forgetting one.
0: Yeah. Did you ever have that moment where you ask a question in a press conference and, and, they, they fire back at you?
1: No, I I think the worst was um, the Dallas Morning News did some expose on OU football and Switzer was asked about it. And uh, I, I, you know, I was a stupid kid. So I was, hey, you know, and everybody's, dude, what are you asking a question for? You're like a sophomore in college. You know, I was like, can you comment on the Dallas News? Oh, hell you know, we're going to get on that right off the bat, you know, and Switzer was not very happy about that. Other than that. Yeah. Um, I can't think of, there was certainly no, uh, I can't hear you, you got food in your mouth. Like Greg Popovich did to Dean never had one of those moments.
0: What's uh what's Howard doing these days? Do you know?
1: I don't know what Howard's doing, man. I'm that was, you talk about a strange year good yeah. for comic relief. That year was crazy. Here's what I,
0: here's what I want. I want, to hear you do a Howard Schnellenberger interview as Howard Schnellenberger. (laughs) That would just, that would like make my year. Mike Steele interviewing Howard Schnellenberger as Howard Schnellenberger.
1: He came on with BBJ. This was about, this was about a year and a half after he'd been fired and he was just hired at uh, FAU. Yeah. And uh, I remember... (laughs) Uh, junior, you know how junior results. Hey, we got Howard Schnellenberg on the line, Coach. How are you? And Howard goes, fine, fine, fine. Our weather is fine. How's your weather? <laughs> Good, I guess. And uh, I mean, it was, that was just Howard. Yeah, that was, and he was. Those was press my, one of my favorite story. I tell us all the time about Howard is when. Eshvac, you know, Howard had been introduced, but they hadn't gotten to, you know, fall practice yet. But Howard had been there for a while. And Larry McAllister was working in the SID department at the time. And Eshvac called up Larry Mack because Larry Mack had been around Howard for a while. And he goes, Oh, so what's your thoughts on Schnellenberger so far? And Larry McAllister, one word answer. And he said, Buffoon. And he was right on the money. That was it.
0: Yeah that that uh, I, I I mean I was I was young so I I vaguely remember that season but it seemed like I remember it being so hopeful and having such a great start and then what like midway through the year it just became a it just all went all downhill.
1: Oh my gosh the the Schnellenberger Blake years yeah, yeah weren't they like
0: out, that Schnellenberger year weren't they like five and zero or 6-0 or yeah, something and, and then, then Colorado it just kinda,
1: came to Norman yeah, and that's uh, it. John Hessler had to play quarterback for Detmer was out and Howard said we'd kick the rest anyway you know and was that Ray Carruth as well way. yeah Ray the Carruth killer was on Ray that Carruth team. on that team and then the the John Blake years too um, I remember the post game show I did the locker room show and then we had a post game show. Uh this was was this the yeah Myron Patton was hosting it. It was at the village Trotteria over in Brookhaven Village in Norman. And Joe Dickinson uh would come out there and answer, you know, they took calls, which you can only imagine. They just lost a cow. It was like a 12 to 9 offensive juggernaut game. So I remember Myron goes, Okay, we're ready to take some calls for Coach Joe D. And um in the first call goes, yeah i got three questions for joe d and i'll hang up and listen number one what the hell kind of offense we running out there number two how much (laughs) they paying you to do this sorry of a job and number three where are you gonna be coaching next year i'll hang up and listen and joe dickinson really good guy but he had that kind of real soft boy so he said hey buddy i'll tell you what you want to talk that kind of trash to me you think you whip me won't you come out here and try It was so bizarre, but it was like, bam, bam, bam. And those were the three questions. And then the guy was gone. There is nothing like
0: phone calls following an OU loss on a post-game show. Oh
1: yeah. You're taking your life in your own hands. I almost want to,
0: I almost want to do something like that via, I don't know if you'd, if you'd be able to do it like via zoom or something, but where you could live stream it. And obviously without uh, having any radio rules, i can only imagine where that would go but that, that It's would basically
1: be, radio twitter
0: yeah, yeah yeah it would be pretty outstanding. much
1: pretty much that's what it was it was uh but i just remember that was the and that was the very first call right off that. Yeah. just boom all right my friend i've kept you long enough we went uh we went
0: way over uh what we thought we were going to do but uh no, it was, it was fun, fun man time that went that went
1: fast absolutely so yeah we'll uh, we'll do it again hopefully soon and for sure man it's uh, hopefully one day we'll live a normal life again and not have to go get carry out every night but yeah you know I, I think i've i've figured out the most important things during the corona era number one your health the ps4 netflix taco casa and hideaway <laughs> that's it that's what we live on well, I was,
0: I was living on a similar diet and then 20 pounds later I, I had oh. to, I had to adjust. So
1: dude, I, I I'm on my way back down pounds, at least about 15 pounds for me. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to get up and run tomorrow morning, yeah, run right to the refrigerator
0: again. Yeah. Well, I was, <laughs> for the most part, I was working out almost every day, but I was just consuming like twice the amount of calories that I did. And uh, yeah, I guess just not working out enough. Cause you know, I just eat all day long and and then there's no gauge when you wear like gym shorts or sweatpants every day for months there's no gauge of how oh, yeah. much it's actually yeah, you're like, impacting you're you until you like actually, fools yeah, then you're yeah, like, actually put on
1: pants you're like oh shit, jeans on, this you're this like holy <laughs> I, I told shay the other day if i continue with this diet i'm going to be uh, a blimp in the macy's day parade if we have it which we probably won't but it's getting bad
0: yeah yeah well hopefully uh before long we'll be able to do one of these in person maybe and and uh yeah share absolutely. a couple of beers and and uh just have a good time so it's good catching up with you though
1: all right colby enjoyed it man all right take care my friend all right we'll see you
0: mike steely joining me on the colby daniels podcast he's got big things coming up so stay tuned to his twitter account at steely on sports all right that is today's episode please subscribe to the podcast Please rate the podcast. Please tell your friends about the podcast. Feel free to hit me up at Colby underscore Daniels on Twitter, Colby.Daniels on Instagram. I'm excited for the weekend. I hope you guys enjoyed as much as I will. I love you guys. Stay safe. I'll talk to you soon.